Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. I hope you had a great week. And I hope you enjoyed last week's episode about Gramstein reporting. I want to start this episode by talking about a reference book, a textbook. I tried mentioning it on the first episode and then there was an editing issue. My apologies for that. So you couldn't hear the name of the source. So the textbook that I use is called Bailey and Scott's Diagnostic Microbiology. They have no affiliation to this podcast. Well, however, it is a great source. It has a lot of information and I think that most universities or mo most microcourses, I think they use it. But I'm not sure. As we begin this episode, let's do a quick recap. At this point in time, you know how to prepare a slide based on the source you know how to fix it right i went over two methods heat fixing and methanol you know how to stain it you know the reagents the four right crystal violet iodine decolorizer and saffronin you know how long you apply them for and then you know that after that you let just lie dry and you then take it to the microscope We went over the objective, right? We used 10x, 50x, depending on the microscope, we used 100x. 40x, you reserve it for like wet preps and KOH. But your main objectives are 10x to focus and then 100x to look what, you know, to see what you are trying to find so you can see it better. So higher magnification is an oil immersion objective. So we went over that. So by now you are microscope experts then what are we looking for when we have a gram stain right so we are looking for cellular elements such as white blood cells specifically pmns do you know what pmn stands for polymorphonuclear neutrophils so these are the segmented neutrophils or sex so now you know that if i'm when i mention the term SEGS, we refer to segmented neutrophils. Other cells that we look for are the epithelial cells. These, they're very important when we're working with a sputum sample, but we'll go, you know, we'll talk about that down the road. And then you're looking for your organisms, right? Reporting your gram stain, your positive, negative, you can say variable, the morphology, cocci, rods, cocobacilli, and the arrangement, clusters, chains. Don't forget about yeast. We can also report budding yeast, pseudohyphae. Um, if we see hyphae, we also report that. So we're looking for these elements and we report them and we quantitate them. 1 plus, 2 plus, 3 plus. So, and that, that was covered in the last episode. So you can say 1 plus PMNs, 1 plus gram positive cocci in clusters. If you don't see any organisms, you report as NOS, no organisms seen. And if you don't see any PMNs or SEGs, you report it as no PMNs, no polymorphonuclear neutrophils.
And today I want to go over blood culture gram stains. Are they different? Are they the same? What's the process? Those of you that work in micro, when you work in the microscopy bench, a lot of times you're actually doing the blood culture, the positive blood cultures as well. So before we talk about blood culture gram stains, what are blood cultures? You know, why are they collected? Well, you know, organisms can invade the bloodstream, causing serious consequences. This is where the suffix emia is added. And what is emia? It refers to the presence of a substance in the blood. For example, if you have bacteria in the blood, it is called bacteremia. If you have a virus in the blood, it's called viremia. Fungi, fungemia. In addition to this, we also use the term septicemia, which is when the organisms cause infection in our blood. So this is why blood cultures are collected. We need to rule out the presence of an organism in the blood, and if one is present, we need to identify it so proper treatment can be administered. You know, this is what what's all about. It's about the patient. If something is in that patient's bloodstream, or by something I mean an organism, we just need to know what it is, right? There's different treatments for gram-negative rods, gram-positive cocci, gram-positive rods. The treatment used for E. coli is not the same as the treatment used for Pseudomonas. So we need to know what it is. And um, so with blood cultures, I don't know if you ever had some collected or not, but those of you that have gone to the lab, been in a hospital, and had blood drawn, you know, they, they draw them in the smaller tubes, right? When you have your, go get your cholesterol check, your A1C, it's a smaller tube. So with blood cultures, you have actually, it's a larger bottle, and you typically collect two of them. You have one aerobic and one anaerobic. They have different components that the anaerobic bottle helps the anaerobic organisms grow in there. However, aerobic organisms can grow in the anaerobic bottle. As you know, most organisms are facultative anaerobes, so they can actually grow in anaerobic conditions. And these bottles, they are manufactured by different companies. You have like a BD, you have Biomero, no affiliation to the podcast, of course. And they also provide the instrument where you incubate these bottles. And you also have pediatric bottles, which the word says it. Uh, they are for the pediatric population, but they can also be used for patients that are a heart stick where you can get, you know, cannot get that much blood. You can use the, that as well. And that bottle is aerobic and anaerobic. You also have some bottles that are colitic bottles and they're for fungi and mycobacteria. So the companies, they supply the bottles, they supply the instruments. And once you collect these bottles, you place them in that instrument and you incubate them. I mentioned before when on the media episode that you incubate your plates in a CO2 environment, carbon dioxide, 
So with these blood cultures, you actually incubate them in a non-CO2. So these instruments, they do not provide CO2. It's a non-CO2. And then the length of incubation varies with the organisms. If you're doing bacteria, it's five days, meaning that if there is no growth or the bottle stays negative for five days, then the result goes out as no growth five days. If you have fungi, you incubate them for 28 days. And for mycobacteria, 42 days. And how do we know if the bottle is positive or not? if an organism is, is growing? Well, I'm just going to put this in very simple terms. You know, carbon dioxide, or CO2, is produced by bacteria. And this causes the pH to lower, so it lowers the pH. This change is detected either by fluorescence or a colorimetric method. That is when the instrument flags it as positive. Another way that you can know if it's positive or negative. Uh, let's say you work at a smaller facility. You don't have one of these automated systems. You can put your bottles in a non-CO2 incubator and you keep in there for five days. Um, and I didn't mention the temperature, 35 to 37 degrees. That's the temperature that you use. So if you don't have the automated instrument, you put them in a regular incubator and then there's some protocols, like for the, like the, there's some ASM protocols that, you know, they dictate how often do you need to do gram stain, sub the media before you call it negative. But we'll go over that down the road as well. So that's how a blood culture works. CO2 is produced, the pH lowered. And then this is detected by either a colorimetric or a fluorescent reaction. Very simple. And then once, now that we know how that works, so we have our bottle, it is flagged as positive by the instrument, or, or let me touch real quick, and uh, there's a color change at the bottom of the bottle, I didn't mention this. It changes from green to yellow, that's also an indicator that's positive. So you have your bottle. It has been flagged positive by the instrument or you see the color change on the incubator. So you need to prepare a slide. So how do you get that blood? Because this is a closed system. So how do you get that blood on the slide? Well, there are some methods out there. You have like some devices that you stick on the bottle and they'll let you take out a few drops. Or you can do it with a syringe. You draw some blood from the syringe. You put some drops on the slide. Typically a drop or two and then just spread it. Spread it. And then you let it dry. Once it is dry, it's ready to stain. Keep in mind that blood culture slides, they're thicker. And that's why I mentioned before that some places they might have a stronger decolorizer just to help you you know decolorize it better you have a because you have a thicker stain but then as far as this the staining process is the same you use the same reagents for the gram stain you keep them on for the same time 
just you know maybe a different decolorizer on the facility depending on the facility like I mentioned I used to like the stronger decolorizer and by use I mean the facility that I work for they don't use it anymore I mean some techs didn't like it they thought it over decolorized but to me it was fine I think you squeeze it you got something on the slide a good squirt and it did the trick beautifully I, it was just such a beautiful decolorization process so I like it but it's a matter of preference so now that we have our slide we take it to the microscope our slide is ready and then what do we report do we look for the same things for the same elements same objectives yes everything the same everything is the same 10x and 100x so we're looking for the same elements however one difference is that we do not report the PMNs the white blood cells I mean we still use them as an indicator of our stain do you remember what they should look like what they stain as they stain gram-negative so it's a good indicator if you have them purple um, you might have under decolorized your slide but if they look pink that means that the process worked that it worked well so then you're looking for your organisms and those you report and you report the gram gram positive gram negative you report the morphology cocci rods cocobacilli yeast to the high fee I remember even though yeast they stain positive you do not you do not report them as gram positive that's also a good indicator of your stain so you report those and then you report the you report the cellular arrangement clusters chains so you will say gram positive coxine chains gram positive coxine clusters gram-positive cocci in pairs and chains, gram-negative rods, gram-negative diplococci, gram-negative coccobacilli, gram-positive rods. Another difference is that you do not quantitate. So you just report the organism, gram-positive cocci, like I said, gram-negative rods, with the arrangement if you, ha if you have it, uh, but you do not say one plus two plus three plus not for blood cultures also keep in mind that if you are not sure about the gram result meaning you're not sure if it's positive or negative it is okay to report it as gram variable consult with a tag repeat your smear um, if you're not sure about that then just go ahead and report it as gram variable and then once it grows on the plate you can adjust your report that's perfectly acceptable don't commit to something that then you might be wrong at the end you know treatment options are different from gram positive versus gram negative also if you're not sure about the arrangement do not commit either for example if you're not sure if it's coxine clusters versus coxine chains just go ahead and report as gram-positive cocci 
once it grows on the plate, you can adjust your report. You know, sometimes those, ch those chains, they can clump and maybe someone new, someone fairly inexperienced can report them as clusters. There's a difference. You tell the provider that you have gram positive coccyne clusters. He's thinking towards the staff, maybe micrococcus. If you tell them chains, he's thinking towards the strep. So there's a difference right there. If you're not sure, just report as gram positive cocci. And then, you know, once it grows on the plate, it can be fixed. Don't commit yourself. You know, be safe. And it might take you a little bit longer, but you're reporting something accurate rather than rushing and then the patient might be put on the wrong treatment. And that is not good. You know, we do this for our patients. So we need to do our best. Another difference between blood culture gram stains and regular gram stains is that on the regular gram stain, if you don't see anything, you report it as no organism seen. You do not do this for your blood cultures. If you don't see anything, you document it internally, meaning the part of your report of your computer system that only the lab sees. And then, I mean, you're still going to put it on media, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But you're not going to report it as NOS or no organism seen. You document it internally. And then you put the bottle back in the incubator, let it be the automated system, let it be the regular incubator. And then, you know, if it's a true positive, later on it will flag. Again, it will mark it as positive, and then you might be able to see the organisms. Um, and I just want to add about the NOS. Before you do that, before you report it internally, that's NOS, before you stick it back in the incubator, there are two things that I want you to do. Look over 50X. Sometimes, you know, you might miss a yeast. It gives you a wider field of view. And do a cytospin slide. Sometimes, you know, you might have a low, low amount of organisms. And by doing the cytospin slide, you're able to concentrate it and you're able to see it better. Some of these blood culture instruments, they're very sensitive. And it is due to the fact that some of them, they limit uh, the amount of times that you can actually open the instrument and have access to the bottles. And I'm going to talk about two systems that have no affiliation to this podcast. You have the virtual by Biomero, and you have the BD effects by BD. Also, you know what? Let's do a third one. Biomero also has the back T alert system, and um, so the BD and the back T alert, you open the drawer to load your bottles. With the virtual, you put the bottles. The instrument will load them itself. And then they will only come out when they're negative. At five days or however many days you indicate it. Or once they're positive. So there's very little room for us to go in and open it. Affecting the incubating time. So that means that by limiting that exposure. To room temperature. 
they incubate faster. So they pop positive faster. And a lot of times, you know, that change in, in pH is detected. And you can barely see anything. Can barely see any organisms. But then you do a cytospin slide. And then you're able to. Whereas with the other organisms, you know, when you're loading the bottles, not the other organisms, the other systems, you know, you're opening those drawers all day and they take longer to incubate. So most times when you didn't see anything was actually a true NOS because there are other factors that can cause the, the bottles to flax as positive. For example, white blood cells, excess WBCs can cause the bottles to falsely flag as positive. And you document this internally. When you get your bottle, you don't see anything. You did the 50X, you did your cytospin slide, you don't see anything, you document that. Internally, NOS, increase white blood cells. And that's how you report blood cultures. You just have to make sure that if you don't see anything, be thorough, do those steps. And then once you do that, put it back in the incubator. And if it's positive, it will flag later. So now you know what you're looking for. You know how to stain. There's something else that you have to do with blood cultures. Blood cultures are considered critical values in the lab. This means that these are very, these are significant results that you have to call to the provider as soon as you get them. Can you think of another uh, lab test that is a critical value? Well, if you're thinking CSF or cerebrospinal fluid, you are right. You shouldn't have any organisms there. And that's definitely critical. And when you have a critical value, there's a specific format that you have to use. So you have to call the provider, you give them the information, you have them repeat it back to you, and then you get their first and last name. Uh, some places have something called an operator ID, or you get that, and you document that. And so this is a great example. I'm gonna give you one. I'm looking at my slide. I see gram-positive cocci in clusters. So I find out which unit the patient is. You know the patient's location, if it's an outpatient, I find the doctor's phone number and I call. And then you know, when they answer, I'm like, okay, good afternoon. My name is Luis Plaza. I work in SoSo Hospital. I'm calling with some results for patient SoSo. Okay. So patient SoSo, the patient John Doe, date of birth, number, number, number. I have gram positive cocci in clusters. And then they repeat it back to you. On John Doe, date of birth, so-so, uh, there's gram-positive cocci in clusters. And then you get their name, first and last, or op operator ID, depending on, on the facility, what they require. And then you document that. And you're going to document it using the date, time, the term results reported to, slash read back by. 
RN, the name, you know, their title, RN, doctor, first and last name, or operator ID, by, and then your name, or your operator ID. So that's it. It's like, um, six nine at fifteen hundred results reported to slash read back by RN Jane Smith by Luis Plaza MLS. And that's how you report a critical. Now some of you must be thinking there, well wait a minute, you have two bottles. What if I see the same on both? I see gram positive coxine clusters on both the aerobic and anaerobic bottle. Do I have to make two phone calls? And the answer is no. If you see the same on both bottles, you only call it on the first one that's flagged as positive. Now if you see something different, then you have to make a phone call. So if you saw gram positive coxine clusters in your aerobic bottle, and then you see gram-positive coxine chains in your anaerobic bottle, you have to make a phone call. Or if you see gram-positive rods, gram-negative rods, as long as it's different, you make that second phone call. But good thinking out there. Yeah, if it's the same in both bottles, you only do the first one that's flagged as positive. Always making sure that, right, that you call it, you document everything properly. And then these bottles are positive. What kind of media do we use? Well, if regardless of if it's a true positive or if it's an NOS, I remember you don't report as NOS. It's just documented internally. Your standard setup is blood, chocolate, and McConkie for your aerobic bottle. Blood, chocolate, and McConkie and an anaerobic blood plate for your anaerobic blood culture bottle so this means that you just grab a set up an extra blood plate and then you're going to incubate it anaerobically and then depending on what else you see you can add more plates if you see let's say if you see gram positive rods and gram negative rods gram positive cocci and gram negative rods you will add a PEA plate if you see yeast you can add a, a Sabdex plate, you can add a Candida ID plate. Uh, if your bottle is fungal, you can add like Sabdex and Sabi in addition to your standard setup. But you always set up blood, chocolate, and McConkie. And sometimes, you know, we are low on supplies. Those of you that work in the lab, you have dealt with the pain of media being back order you start running short a lot of times it happens with the chocolate so if you're running low in chocolate go ahead and just set up the blood and the mcconkey and then if you are suspecting hemophilus then you go ahead and throw a chocolate plate and that's typically how i've seen it done you gotta save those chocolates for your respiratory sources and other places, yeah, where you where you need that hemophilus to grow. So you save it for that. But, you know, as long as you have your blood in your McConkie and always incubate your plate anaerobically for your anaerobic bottle, 
you should be okay. So what have we learned today? Well, we now we know how now we know and by we, I mean you. Uh, you know how to prepare blood culture gram stain slides. You know how to stain them, and you know how to report them. And you also know a little bit about the background of blood cultures and how these bottles, what makes them flag as positive, what changes. We also went over some differences about what do we report in blood culture gram stain slides versus regular slides. So we do not quantitate for blood cultures, no one plus, no two plus, no three plus, and we do not report the PMNs. In addition, if it's an NOS or no organism seen, you do not report that either. It will document it internally. I also stressed out that you need to do a cytospin just to make sure you don't miss any organisms. And it is good practice to look at your slide on the 50x objective to make sure that you might not see a yeast, that you might not miss it. I mean, if you, if, if maybe if you use your 50x and you see maybe one or two, go ahead and do a cytospin and then you'll see more. It's good to reinforce. But the thing is that we have to make sure that we're thorough. And if something is there, we find it. And lastly, we went over critical values, values that are of a clinical significance that are very important and we have to report them as soon as we find them. As, as soon as we obtain these values, we have to report them. And there is a format that we use for that. And it can vary slightly from facility to facility. But one of the most important things is like the provider has to repeat that result back to you. Have to make sure that once you relay it over the phone, they repeat it back and you document it with the, you know, reporter to slash read back by. Always making sure that you document who you spoke to, you document your name, the date and time. This is very important. Lab is about documentation. Always document, especially if you relay anything. If you're calling for a recollect, if you're calling with some critical results, always document who you spoke to. It happens more than we would like it to, but a lot of times, you know, we, we tell someone something and then the person might say, I wasn't told this or no one told me this. So in addition to looking out for our patients, we need to look out for ourselves. So always document who you talk to. Very important. And that, my dear audience, is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy listening about gram stains, blood culture gram stains to be more specific. I sure enjoy talking to you about them. Stay safe. Stay strong and always keep that passion in everything you do. All of you microbiologists out there, bring that passion into work. Do the best you can every day. The patients will definitely benefit from this. So stay motivated and continue talking micro. Until next time.
Take care.